All right, it's a lot of love out there, and it's good to see it. Y'all doing all right this morning? Good, good, good. All right, can y'all give it up for Hannah? She's going to read in English first, and then Espanol after that. Go ahead, Hannah. Exodus 14, verses 15 through 31. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all of his hosts, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen." Then the angel of God who was going before the hosts of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Israel and the host of Egypt. And there was in the cloud and there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord, in the pillar of fire and smoke, looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians." Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when, it w- when the morning had appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all of the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw that the Egyptians were dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Éxodo 14, versículo 15 hasta 31. Entonces Jehová dijo a Moisés, ¿por qué clamas a mí? Di a los hijos de Israel que marchen, y tú alza tu barra y extiende tu mano sobre el mar y divídelo, y entren los hijos de Israel por en medio del mar, en seco. Y he aquí, yo enteruceré al corazón de los egipcios para que los siguen, y yo me glorificaré en Faraón y en todo su ejército, en sus carros y en su caballería, Y sabrán los egipcios que yo soy Jehová cuando me glorifiquen en Faraón, en sus carros y en su gente de a caballo. Y el, el ángel de Dios que iba delante del encampamento de Israel se apartó e iba en pos de ellos. Y asimismo la columna de nube que iba delante de ellos se apartó y se puso a sus espaldas. E iba entre el campamento de los egipcios y el campamento de Israel. Y era nube y tinieblas para aquellos, y alumbraba a Israel de noche. Y en toda aquella noche nunca se acercaron los unos a los otros. 
Y extendió Moisés su mano sobre el mar e hizo Jehová que el mar se retirase por recio viento oriental toda aquella noche. Y volvió el mar en seco y las aguas quedaron divididas. Entonces los hijos de Israel entraron por medio del mar en seco, teniendo las aguas como muro a su derecha y a su izquierda. Y siguiéndolos los egipcios... Entraron tras ellos hasta la mitad del mar, toda la caballería de Faraón, sus carros y su gente de a caballo. Aconteció a la vigilia de la mañana que Jehová miró el campamento de los egipcios desde la columna de fuego y nube y trastornó el campamento de los egipcios y quitó las ruedas de sus carros y los trastornó gravemente. Entonces los egipcios dijeron, Huyamos de delante de Israel, porque Jehová pelea por ellos contra los egipcios. Y Jehová dijo a Moisés, extiende tu mano sobre el mar para que las aguas vuelvan sobre los egipcios, sobre sus carros y sobre su caballería. Entonces Moisés extendió su mano sobre el mar y cuando amanecía, el mar se volvió en toda su fuerza. Y los egipcios al huir se encontraban con el mar y Jehová derribó a los egipcios en medio del mar. Y volvieron las aguas y cubrieron los carros y la caballería y todo el ejército de Faraón que había entrado tras ellos en el mar. No quedó de ellos ni uno. Y los hijos de Israel fueron por en medio del mar, en seco, teniendo las aguas por muro a, las, a su derecha y a su izquierda. Así salvó Jehová aquel día a Israel de mano de los egipcios. Y Israel vio a los egipcios muertos a la orilla del mar. Y vio Israel aquel grande hecho que Jehová ejecutó contra los egipcios. Y el pueblo temió a Jehová y creyeron a Jehová y a Moisés, su siervo. Amen. Amen. Are you guys ready for the word of God? I like to tag my text this morning, get out. Get out. In March 1995, followers of a Japanese doomsday cult called Aum Shariko, meaning supreme truth, released deadly siren gas into the Tokyo subway system, killing 12 commuters and sickening thousands. The eccentric leader of the cult and instigator of the attack, Shoko Ashara, has been in prison since then. But believe it or not, the cult still lives on, even under intense governmental security. In fact, it has grown in spite of its criminal reputation. Time magazine told of one follower named Aya Azoki, 25, who is shy and thoughtful. According to the article, Though she knew of the group's connection to the subway terrorism, she was drawn to its promises of life after death in reincarnated form. I was afraid of dying, she says, so I liked their creed. Even though she says she knows in her heart that the founder was involved with the murders, she says... I can't really figure it out, but there is a part of me that still hopes he can save me. Friends, let me say that line again. I can't really figure it out, but there is a part of me 
that still hopes that he can save me. I still want to believe in him. Friends, it's funny how people will do and believe crazy things to be saved. People will go to great lengths to get out of their present predicament. Oh, you can't relate to her this morning. There's some things that you may have done, things that you may have said to save your own tail or your own behind. It's crazy the things that we'll do, the lengths that we'll go in order to be saved from our present predicament. But little do they know, the real God who gives real life has done the craziest most unthinkable thing to save us all. God has made a way out of no way in order to get us out. Friends, hold on to yourselves. He nailed Jesus to the cross in order to get you out. Oh, y'all not excited about the cross? I know we preach it every week. Let me go there again. He got you out by nailing Jesus to the cross. Okay, y'all wasn't feeling me over there. Let me go on over here. He nailed Jesus to the cross in order to get you out. Okay, they weren't feeling me over there. Let me go on over here. Y'all ready for me? I say that, they, that he nailed Jesus to the cross in order to get your hell-bound self out. I think we're ready to go home now. <laughs> Friends, it is because of Jesus we all got a way out. Therefore, you ought to get out. You ought not stay in your situation. You ought not stay in your circumstance. God has made a way out. Is that not what Ozoki wanted? Freedom? Eternal life? Freedom from the bondage of this world? Is that not what she wanted? Friends, she simply wanted to get out. But no Old Testament story illustrates how to get out like the story of the Red Sea. Our Red Sea story is so helpful because of the many parallels it has to the ultimate getting out, the salvation of Jesus. What can we learn about Jesus' salvation from the crossing of the Red Sea? Well, there's four things that we can learn. How we get out, why we get out, only God can get us out, and God's enemies can't get out. Let me say that one more time. How we get out, why we get out, only God can get us out. Thought you would have shouted on that one. And God's enemies can't get out. We began the journey out of Egypt with Israel last Sunday. Last week, we saw they were caught in between a rock and a wet place. God had instructed them on where to go as they exited Egypt. But what we learn is God plants them precisely in a situation where, from a military perspective, they are utterly hemmed in. Last week, we found out that God will put you in a stuck place. God 
God, God knows what he's doing. He'll, he'll intentionally put you in a place where your power can't get you out. Your intelligence can't get you out. Your resources can't get you out. God will put you in a situation so that he's the only one that can get you out, friends. We learn that God is a good spades player. There's only some places where you're going to get spades preaching. You know what I mean? Y'all know what spades is. And so, so God, God got a Ph.D. in spades. He got a Ph.D. in playing his hand. God knows what he's doing even when it seems like or it doesn't feel like God knows what he's doing. You just hold on. You just, you just sit there for a minute. You just be still and see that God knows what he's doing. God gets them stuck on purpose so that he can show his glory. Friends, and the beauty, the beauty in being in a stuck place, as I said last week, is that you get to see the glory of God. You get to see the glory of God. When we have no way out and we are completely dependent upon God, there's something about being stuck that allows us to see the glory of God. It's when we have come to the end of ourselves that we come to the beginning of God. Okay, y'all didn't catch it. Friends, it's when you come to the end of yourself that you come to the beginning of God. All right, y'all need help here, I see. Friends, it is not until you come to grips with the fact that ain't no power in you. I hate to say it, I know you're cute and you got your Sunday dress on and you got your nails done and your hair done, you're getting ready for the holiday week. I know what's going on, but I came to tell you that at some point you're going to have to come to the grips that ain't no hope in your job. Ain't no hope in your car. Ain't no hope in your house. It is not until we come to the end of ourselves that we come to the beginning of God. Because it is when you come to the end of yourself that you realize that you ain't got nobody but God. Sometimes the preacher shouldn't have to preach that hard to get you excited. Yeah, that, that, that ought to just, some things ought to just resonate with you. Yes, Lord, I'm with you, preacher. Amen. Hallelujah. I know he's a God. Amen. This morning, I want to show you the way out of bondage is seeing the glory of God. The way out of bondage is seeing the glory of God. Last week, we learned that God puts us in a stuck place so that we can see his glory. Now we need to understand that the way out of bondage is seeing the glory of God. If you recall last week, the purpose, the, the, if you recall last week, the people are tripping and flipping out on Moses. If you weren't here last week, I mean, they were going off on my boy Mo. Mo trying to get them out of Egypt. He's trying to get them to a safe place, and they tripping and flipping and slipping and dipping on my boy. You know, they, 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 here it is right here. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared Greatly, which is understandable. The most powerful army is on their heels. The Pharaoh is on their tails. And what do they do? And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord and they said, Mo, that's how I would say it. 
It is because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. What's up with this, Mo? What's going on, bro? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? They tripping and flipping on Moses. And many of these people are legitimately scared. And rightly so. The most powerful army is on their tails. And they're camped in. The greatest army on earth at the time is coming after them. How would you feel? They ain't got no helicopter coming. They can't call Uber. They ain't got no Lyft. They ain't got no social media. They can't call 911. They stuck. No way out. But they want to get out. And what is the one thing they want overall? To get out. If you're in a stuck situation, what's the one thing you want overall? You want to get out. Right? Can we be honest this morning? Stuck in a marriage, you want to get out. Stuck at a job, you want to get out. It's just the inclination of the human heart. When we're stuck, I want to get out. They want to get out of their bondage. They don't want to go back to Egypt. So what is the one thing they need? A savior. So the scene is set for God to show his glory by redemption. But we continue our journey with the Israelites. Let me define an important word and outline this passage for you so that we all get out at the end of this sermon. Now, this word redemption is huge, and I'll be using it a lot. What does it mean? Simply put, to be released from bondage or loosen or set free. Now, for the outline of the sermon, section 1, verses 15 through 18, you'll see the first section of this passage in which the time of redemption comes. And God announces to Moses ahead of time what he's going to do. And he actually calls on Moses to call the people to a step of faith. And we'll see what that step of faith is in just a few moments. There, there, there's the first section in which the time of redemption comes. Then in section 2, verses 19, 19 and 20, we see God himself establish himself as a barrier of protection for his people. Y'all got to watch it. I may get a little excited when I get to that part. The Egyptian armies had, had caught up and God must literally interpose himself between the enemies of his people and in order to protect them. And then in section 3, verses 21 and 22, is where the parting of the Red Sea and the crossing of the Red Sea are described. And then in section 4, verses 23 through 29, here the Egyptians pursue the Israelites into the water of the Red Sea and are destroyed. And then finally, what we'll see is section 5, verses 30 and 31. Moses re rehashes and summarizes the whole story. And there he emphasized the divine action of God and results of that divine action and the main result of the divine action, God's glory and the display of his grace. God gets all the glory when he does what he does best, and that is save his people. Section one, how do we get out? How do we get out? Friends, one word through faith. That was two words, but y'all got me. <laughs> Pastor can't count. Here it is. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? 
Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may grow through the sea and on dry ground. Okay, church, let's get into the Bible. Let's, let's become the Israelites. Let's get there with them. The Egyptians are coming at them full speed. The dust of the chariots are all over their clothes in their faces. Now, I'd be mad if I had my J's on and the dust got on me, but that's neither here nor there. They got dust all over them. There's no way out. God has broken them from their physical bondage in Egypt. But now God must break them from their real bondage. God must liberate them from their real bondage. And what is that real bondage? God must free them from unbelief. Your greatest chain is unbelief. I'm going to call it the sunken place. Unbelief is your sunken place. Listen, you'll always be in bondage to something until you have faith in God. You will always be in bondage to something until you have faith in God. That's why people can go to one form of slavery to another form of slavery until you arrive at God. There is no freedom outside of God. True freedom is faith in God. God, I believe you can break anger. God, I believe you can break bitterness. God, I believe that you can break drunkenness. It is not until you believe that you get free. The only way you get out is faith in God. We see this regarding how God responds to Moses. I almost laugh at this. This is good comedy here. He said Moses cries out to God and God says what? Why do you cry out to me? Hold up, wait a minute. You know, if you had a, you know, if you lost your mind, you'd probably say something like that, right? Now, now, because if that's me, and now that, this is me, this is not you. If it's me and I'm crying out to God, and God says, Why do you cry out to me? Butter um God, uh, you don't remember. You the one who put me in this situation. You told me to leave Egypt. You told me where to go. And I'm stuck. Therefore, I'm crying out to you because you God. That's why I'm, that's why, did I miss something here? Did I, did I miss, it was you that told me to go this way, God. You ever been like that with God? God says, why are you crying out to me? You say, well, God, you told me to take the job. You didn't tell me my enemies was going to be at the job. You told me to marry him. You told me to marry him. You didn't tell me my worst enemy. I'm being in my own house. Oh, y'all just keep looking here. Keep looking here. Keep lo- I'm not trying to start no trouble. I'm not trying to put none of the brothers in bondage. Y'all keep looking up here. I don't want you to get in trouble. But here it is. God says, Moses, though God says, why do you cry out to me? Moses like, God, look. We're between a rock and a wet place. Pharaoh's after us. You the one gave him everything that he got. He got all the cloud. I ain't got nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling over here. But Moses, you got to understand, it's not about what I need to do. I've done a lot and I will do more. But it's not about what I'm able to do that is the issue here. 
The issue is you still have faith in what Pharaoh can do instead of what I can do. That's the issue. This is not a time for prayer. This is a time to walk in faith, Moses. I've showed you 10 times who I am. I've showed you 10 times what I'm able to do. I sent the fried flies. I sent the locusts. I turned the sea into red blood. Moses, you know who I am. We're not back by the burning bush anymore. I took you through faith school already. You know what I can do. It's not about pleading. This is about walking in faith now, Moses. And oftentimes, we're crying out to God in our circumstances and situations, and God says, you already know what to do. I'm God. There's nothing that I can't do. Here's Moses. He's stuck. The issue is that y'all still got your faith in Pharaoh. And I need you all to believe what? I can do more than what Pharaoh can do. You see? You get free from your old oppressor by believing in the one greater than him. And here's the key thing. He must be greater than your oppressor. Many people stay in their situations even when God has made a clear way out because they don't believe. They won't leave. You won't leave until you believe. Why? Simply because the only person they believe in is their oppressor. And their oppressor lies and says there is no way out. Sounds a whole lot like the devil, doesn't it? There is no way out. You're stuck in your sin. You'll never overcome. You might as well curse God and die. That's the voice of the enemy. Why? Because he wants to keep you in bondage. He wants to keep you in chains. But God has said that if you believe in me, I'll tell you that I made a way out. But you got to see it with faith because you got to know, although there's a red sea in front of you, you got a God behind you. And as long as God is behind you, there is no circumstance. There is no mountain that he cannot move. There is no river that he cannot divide when you know who your God is. Y'all know one of the greatest inventions ever made was a soap dispenser. I know some of y'all not impressed, but I don't know about you. There's something about going in the bathroom. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't know. I just don't want to touch the little soap dispenser. Boy, I was so excited when they made the automatic, you know, you just put your, you, what, what you do? You just put your hand up on there and zip. I was like a kid once. I was like, oh, look at that, look at that. Oh, snap, look at that. But that thing will not move if you don't believe. The only reason why you stick your hand under the soap dispenser is because you believe that it will dispense what you want. And the moment you believe, the soap dispenser moves. What I'm trying to tell you is the moment that you believe and you move, God's going to move. I'm trying to tell you that faith will get you out. The water doesn't move until they move. You say, well, how do I know? If I'm believing, pastor, that's a good question. Y'all so educated up in here. Y'all got all kind of degrees on top of degrees. I know y'all listening well. Y'all not going to let me get away with that. Well, faith will always result in action. Why do you put your hand under this hope dispenser? Because you believe. Because you believe that it will dispense. Watch this. Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. That the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. Did you catch it? 
Faith in God, lean in, means stepping away from your oppressor even when the odds are against you. Faith in God means stepping away from your oppressor even when the odds are against you. Faith will always run to the one it trusts in. Will always go towards whatever it believes. This is why when people say they believe in Jesus, I'm watching one thing. Are you going towards him or are you going towards the world? If you're going towards the world, your faith is in the world. But if you're going towards Christ, it's because you believe that he's able to do what he said he'll do. Now watch the people of Egypt, right? They want to go back to Egypt. They say it was meat back there for us. Just like people. They had Portillo's back in Egypt. That's why I want to go. Portillo's good. Portillo's had you back in Egypt for real. No lie, straight up that hot dog off the chain. And you'll be thinking about that ground beef. Boy, I tell you, boy, I be wanting a sandwich. You know what I'm saying? That, that tall lemonade, Derek. You know what I'm talking about? Portillo's will make you go back. Here they are. They thinking about the. They thinking about the food that they had. They want to go back. And here's the thing. What's the difference between the Egyptians and the Israelites? Nothing but the grace of God. Nothing but the grace of God. They wanted to run back to Egypt. Because their faith was in Pharaoh. But God was gracious and he helped them along. Thank God that he helps us along in our unbelief. Saving faith is always taking steps towards God. And the key word is saving faith. Everybody has faith, but everybody doesn't have saving faith. Hey, one day I'll preach a sermon on that. And they stepped into the sea. And without faith, this is what the book of Hebrews says, and without faith it is impossible to what? Please him. For whoever will draw near to, near to God must what? Believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. You see, you can't cross over from condemnation and death which is the predicament that we're all in. You cannot cross over to the other side of the sea. You cannot cross over to freedom. You cannot cross over to life without faith. We get out of bondage and over to redemption and freedom by faith. Friends, no one is getting into heaven without faith. Nobody. Zero. Don't care what you have. If you don't have faith, you're not getting into heaven. No one is getting in there without faith. We see this in the book of Romans. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as what? Righteousness. Faith goes forward, and by faith, the people of God believe God's word, believe God's sovereignty, and they started walking. Are you walking, friends? Are you walking? But why is God even concerned about getting them out? I said this last week because God wants to get some glory out this thing. Here it is. Why do we get out? Because of glory. Why does God save us? Why does God get us out? For the sake of his 
glory. And I am intentionally moving you out of this, the center of the narrative of the Bible. And I'm intentionally putting God in the middle of the narrative of the Bible. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. That the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground and I will harden the heart of, of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get, here it is, the glory over Pharaoh and all of his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. God wants you to know that he's on top. And when will he get it? When I have gotten glory over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen, he's helping his people out. Why tell them this? Why explain all that you're going to do before you do it? Why explain all that you're going to do before you do it? Before I tell you, let me help you out. In the gym, we like to play basketball. I love me some basketball. Many people say I can't play, but I think that they hate on me. Nothing about that anyway. But here I love to play basketball. But one of the things the young men like to do is they like to tell you what they're going to do before they're going to do it. They say, I'm going to go left. I'm going to go right. I'm going to step back and then I'm going to shoot. And then when they do it, what happens? Everybody goes crazy because not only did they do it, they said what they were going to do before they did. It. And so you know that it wasn't by chance. It wasn't by luck. It didn't just happen. They said it before they did it. And so what God is doing is I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do so you don't think that it's by chance and then I'm going to do it. And by that he reveals his sovereignty. I'm sovereign. I do what I want to do when I want to do it. If I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Nobody can stop God when God wants to do something. His plans will not be thwarted. Who's more powerful than him? Who's going to stop him? That's why I laugh when people say, I'll come to God when I'm ready. Oh, you don't know my God then. You don't know him, do you? He's Yahweh. If he comes for you, he's coming back with you. You don't know who he is? Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is and is to come. He raises the dead. He opens up blind eyes. He opens up deaf ears. Nothing is impossible for him. And Israel, what I need you to know, if you're going to get free, is that I'm sovereign over your situation. I'm sovereign over your circumstance. It ain't by chance it's by my divine design, and I'm able to get you out when I'm ready to get you out. And I'm going to get you out right in the nick of time that will give me the glory that I'm seeking. Let's flip the lens. Get out. But y'all know it's one thing to get out. Man, it's a whole other thing to stay out. <laughs> I'm telling you. Let me drink some water up here because I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> boy, I tell you, boy, you get out and stand out ain't no joke. I know y'all saved, y'all. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I've never, ever went back to Egypt ever in my life. Well, you just sit right there and sit cute while the rest of us be real. Some of us, we still struggling. Some of us still got battles in our lives. 
Many of y'all know that I had lost 50 pounds, and you know what? It's good to be 50 pounds lighter. It's good to be out of the XL, but I'm telling you, it's harder to stay out of the XL now that I done made my way out. We, well, okay, okay, okay. We family up in here. We family up in here. Can I be real? Can I, can I be honest with y'all? Can I just be real? Can I just, can I just have this moment? I know y'all came to hear me preach, but I don't want to just be real. I had a double stop Oreo the other day. I did. <laughs> them cookies will follow you out of freedom. <laughs> you got to watch them because you'll be chilling one minute. <laughs> and all of a sudden, a cold glass of milk will show up right by the cookie. <laughs> I understand why it's America's favorite cookie because it's serious, but in <sighs> Them double stuff Oreos to get you. But it's one thing to get out. It's a whole nother thing to stay out. Especially when your biggest enemy is you. Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel, and there was a cloud in the darkness. And it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. The Egyptian army are upon them, and so, and so all of a sudden the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud is brought up. What is that? That is the guide that God had used to guide them. But there's some things that we must understand. If you look at verse 19, you see something strange. The angel of God, which had been going before the camp. Okay, let me explain this really fast. First, when you see the word angel in the Bible, note that it is ambiguous, meaning it has two meanings. Angel can mean angelic being like Michael and Gabriel or simply mean messenger, which is why some people mistake Jesus as being an angel because they don't understand that the word angel has two meanings. Someone who carries the message or work of God can be called an angel. In this text, it is God carrying the message and work of God. Once again, we get a glimpse of the Trinity in the Old Testament. But why a pillar of fire in a cloud? Because God is invisible. So these two things become the physical evidence to the people of God that God is with them. And what does this pillar of fire and cloud do? It gets in between God's people and their enemies. In other words, God says, if you're going to destroy my people, you're going to have to go through me. If you want Dexter Harris, Satan, you're going to have to go through me. Look at God, friends. In their moment of absolute greatest need, God stands in the midst. But this will not be the last time that God stands in between his, his people and his enemies. Next time, God's going to put on some flesh and he's going to come down. Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. He put on flesh and dwelt among us. This is what Jesus was doing on the cross. He was standing in between God's enemies and us. That's what he's doing on the cross. He's standing between you and death and sin. And instead of it getting you, it gets him. It lands on him. He takes the attack. He takes the punishment that you need. Sometimes we just need to hear the old-fashioned gospel that God got in the middle of your mess. 
and he took it on. He took on your consequences. He got in between your Pharaoh. He gets in between the things that should take you down. Friends, your sin would have took you down again already if it had not been for God getting in the middle of it. You know good and well you wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be clapping today. You wouldn't be praising him today if God didn't get in the middle of your mess. Not just one time, two times. Not just two times, three times, four times, five times, six times, seven times, eight times. I say your number, you ought to stand on your feet 20 times. 30 times, 40 times, 100 times, 150 times, 200 times, 1,000 times, 2,000 times, over and over and over and over again. And I came to tell you that the reason I'm praising him today is because he's still getting in the middle of my mess. If it had not been for God, the double stuff Oreos would have took me out a long time ago. If it had not been for God, I'll be in the 2X again already. But because God had got in between of my mess, can I be honest this morning? Sometimes I mess up. Sometimes you catch me slipping. Sometimes you catch me dipping. Sometimes I do things that I shouldn't do. But I'm so thankful thankful that when I'm in that stuck place, all of a sudden, God shows up. Oh, I love it when he shows up because when he shows up, he shows up. And when he show up, can't nothing stop me. Can't nothing keep me. Not because I'm great. Not because I'm mighty. Because he's sovereign. Oh, friends. You ought to give God some praise because you know the reason you're standing today. You know the reason you're smiling today. Should have lost your mind. You should have lost your heart. But God kept stepping in and he's still stepping in. God, I know I messed up. I know I did the wrong thing. God said, that's all right. I'm going to clean it up. You stand right there. God got in the middle. Thank you for Jesus. I'm so messed up. I'm so messed up, y'all. I'm so jacked up. That if it wasn't for Jesus, keep getting in the middle, I'll be gone. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. The wrath of God remains on him. And the only reason why the Israelites are on the side of God's grace, the Egyptians on the side of God's wrath, is because of God's grace. The Egyptians could be on the other side, and the Israelites could be on the other side. They could swap places, but God had chose to be gracious to Israel but not only is God freeing us from sin and Satan, but God is freeing us from his wrath. God would take you out if it wasn't for Jesus. And if we're being honest, he should have killed you over what you did last night. You <laughs> can't say amen, say ouch. Let's keep going. The reality is, is only God can get us out. Now we move to verses 21 and 22, and God shows his sovereignty. He gives glory for himself, and he shows his grace to his people by parting the Red Sea and the crossing of the Red Sea. Friends, 
you'll know it's the salvation of the Lord because it will not require nothing of you. You'll know whether God is the one that's saving because it will have nothing to do with you. At all, zero. So why? So that none of us can boast in this place. All other religion requires you to do works to get yourself free. God says, stand by and watch me save you. What is the, norm, <clears throat> what is the normal way to cross the sea? You take a boat. You build a bridge. You walk across. When I was in San Francisco, the bridge is it's great. It's beautiful. And you know what? We look at that and we marvel. Why? We say, whoever made this is glorious. God says, won't be no man-made bridges when I save. Won't be no man-made boats when I save. Because when I move, we'll only be able to say, God is great. God is great. Christianity says you don't need to do anything because the path to cross has already been made. God says, I'm going to spread the Red Sea. I'm going to make the path for you. You're going to have nothing to do with this. You're just going to cross. And it's not going to be because you're holding the water up. It's going to be because I'm holding the water up. Then Mo, watch this, y'all. This, oh my. Then Moses stretches out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. We heard this before, but we don't get excited. Can you imagine if you was there? Probably like, hold up, man. I ain't never seen nothing like this. Hold on. Water up on both sides. I'd have to pinch myself. I'd have to do something. The water is up on both sides. Here's, okay, okay. You, you have to understand that the Israelites are coming out of polytheism where they believed that there was multiple gods, right? A sun god, a water god, a pyramid god, a soul glow god. I'm just messing around. <laughs> but they, I don't know where they came from. But <laughs> Juices and berries. Uh, but the water, the water is up on both sides. And for the first time in their life, they see the god that's over water. They finally are standing face to face with the God who made everything. What is he doing? He's showing them his glory. He's showing them his glory. Because the only way we get out is that we got to see his glory. Let me park here for a minute. Everybody that ever got out, I'm talking seeing now, has seen his glory. This is why we shout so loud. This is why we dance. Because we've seen his glory. And when you see his glory... You prefer him over everything else. Okay. Okay, let me see. Let me see. Okay. 
When you see something beautiful, you don't decide whether that's beautiful or not. You don't say, hmm, I wonder if that's beautiful. You say, no. What's the reflex of the soul? That's beautiful. And that's what happens in salvation. God shows you Jesus, and you say, that's beautiful. I want that. Now you're ready to walk across. Give me him. What was I thinking? He's better than everything else. So they, they were stuck, and God does the impossible. I learned something from Roy Larson. Roy Lawson thought the most difficult part of his day would be maneuvering the unfamiliar stick shift on a loner electric wheelchair as he ventured into downtown Glen Ellen, Illinois, for a haircut. Haircuts are important, by the way. But this day was about to become much more trying. As he was crossing the railroad tracks on the main street, one of the chair wheels became lodged into the track. As Larson struggled to free the wheel, something went wrong with the chair electrical system and the chair refused to move. Suddenly, the light began to flash and the signal bell started to ring. The gates in front of Larson and behind him began to lower. The first person Larson saw, saw as, as he frantically looked up for help was Mark Bade. Bade had been running an errand, and when he saw that Larson was in trouble, he sprinted to Larson's side and began to struggle with the chair. At almost the same moment, Don was stopped, stopped his car at the gate, saw what was happening. He leaped out of the car to help Bay wrench the chair free from the track and dragged it out of harm's way. The three men looked up just in time to see the train was less than 20 yards away. But this is what got me excited, friends. After the train went by, I just said, Larson said, the only reason I'm here today is because these two guys saved my life. Friends, I'm telling you something. When God saves us, we ought to say the only reason why I'm standing here today is because God saved me. And to be honest, we look foolish trying to save ourselves. Yeah, we look foolish. Because the more I try to save myself, the more tangled up I get. The more I try to save my marriage, the worse it gets. The more I try to fix the situation, the worse it gets. Because God wants to make sure that he gets all of the glory. Okay, your soul's still not rocked. Let me drop this one on you. God's enemies can't get out. God's enemies can't get out. You ought to be glad that you're out because everybody doesn't get out. Everybody didn't find themselves on the other side of the Red Sea. Some folks found themselves drowned in the Red Sea. If anyone had it, now check this out. If anyone had a chance to get across the Red Sea, it would have been the Egyptians. They had all the money. They had all the power, they had all the resources, but they didn't have God. And it doesn't matter what you got, friends. It doesn't matter what you got in your bank account. It doesn't matter what you got in your driveway. It doesn't matter the square inch of your home. It don't matter who you know. Tell your people to call my people. It don't really matter. If you ain't got God, you ain't got nothing. But if you got God, you got everything. 
Oh, that'll preach all by itself. I want us to see something here. Zoom in. It says the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning, watched the Lord in the pillar of fire and the cloud, looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptians' force into a panic. This is crazy, y'all. It's going down. And then God does what? He clogs up their rims. I'm sorry, the chariot wheels. Y'all got to excuse me. My hood comes out every now and again. Um, their chariot wheels so, so, so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from Israel. For the Lord fights for them. Okay, y'all didn't get excited. Let me talk to y'all over here. They said, let's get out of Dodge. Let's run. They got some power on their side that we ain't never seen before. They got something we ain't never seen before. We've been worshiping all kind of things, but they must have found the Lord this time. Let's get out of Dodge. Let's keep going. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. Who drowned them? God did. So let me pause. We love to brag about the grace of God, but you'll never appreciate the grace of God until you know the wrath of God. God drowned them. God swept them away in his judgment. I know we don't like to talk about hell. I know we don't like to talk about judgment, but God will bring his wrath on this world one day. And he is going to sweep his enemies away. My question to you, what side of the sea you want to be on? You want to be on the side where Israel was? Or do you want to be on the side where the Egyptians were? Because his wrath is coming. What happened to the Egyptians? The judgment of God came down. And it swept them away. Jesus is clear. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth. In the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. What is the Bible doing with the Red Sea? The Red Sea is nothing but a picture of salvation. The Bible says that everything is written to point to Jesus. The Red Sea is not the way out. Jesus is the real way out, and there's only one way you get out, and it's through having faith in Jesus. Jesus is the glory of God. The only way you get out is through Jesus, and Jesus is the glory of God. Are y'all not with me yet? I'm trying to help y'all out. I said that the only way you get out is seeing the glory of God, and Jesus is the glory of God. So the only way you get out is that you got to see Jesus. And when you see Jesus... 
You see the glory of God. And when you see the glory of God, you get out. Let me go ahead and help you out, and I'll be done. I'll take my seat. If y'all remember the movie Get Out, yeah, at the end, well, right at a cookout. They were at a cookout, and a brother met another brother, and he took the camera, and he took a picture, and the light from the camera made that brother wake up out of his darkness. What I'm trying to tell you is that God flashes his glory inside of your heart. And when he flashes it inside of your heart, you come out of your sunken place. All of a sudden, you come out of your belief because the more you see the glory of God. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because God saves us. Okay, let me say it another way. God gets us out in a way that we don't expect him to get us out. Salvation comes through from the, from the most unexpected place. Let me go back to the movie. When my man was on his last leg, the last thing you thought that was going to show up was a TSA agent. But he shows up. And it comes out of the most unlikely place. The Bible says that God gave the cross and its foolishness to man. But to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And the reason why we sing about the cross, the reason why we rejoice about the cross is because the cross is the glory of God. And the way that he gets us out is that they hug him high, they stretch him wide, he hung his head, and for me and you, he died. But on the third day, he made a way out of nowhere. He stepped out of the grave. Death couldn't hold him. Satan couldn't hold him. Pharaoh couldn't hold him. And it says that all those who have faith in him, not only did Jesus get out, your tail gonna get out. All you gotta do is cling on to the real spreader of the Red Sea. The real one who gets us out. Oh, he's able. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. The woman at the well encountered him. She seen his glory. She got out of her promiscuous ways. Uh-huh. The Pharisee got out of his ways, right? Who was it? It was, it was Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus was stuck under the law. He had an encounter with Jesus. And Nicodemus got out. <laughs> the prostitute, y'all remember her, right? They caught her in the middle of adultery, right? She was going around doing things that she shouldn't do. And all of a sudden, she encountered Jesus and she got out. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Zacchaeus, y'all remember that little short dude? Yeah, real small dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rich dude, though, wasn't it? Clammed up in a tree, had an encounter with Jesus and he got out. <laughs> I came to tell you that when you encounter him, you'll know because you'll get out. <laughs> and now when you get out, you go tell somebody else about him. Preach Jesus. And when they see Jesus, they'll get out. <laughs> That's all you got to do is you got to preach them. And as long as you preach them, folks are getting out. Your children to get out if you preach them long enough. He says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Oh, I've seen it time and time again. When Jesus is lifted up. When Jesus is preached, folks get out. Pastor, how do I get out of my situation? This pornography has been kicking my tail. 
All you got to do is keep looking to Jesus. And you know what's going to happen over time? You're going to get out. But, 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 Pastor, I've been struggling with anger all my life. If he can spread the Red Sea, he can deliver you from your anger. And if you keep looking at him long enough, you'll get out. But, 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 but hold on. Hold on, Pastor. You don't understand. I got stuff in the inside of me that people have broken and hurt me. The same thing happened with the Israelites, but they, they kept looking at them, and all of a sudden, they got out. Friends, if you want to get out this morning, you ought to lift up your hands. You ought to open up your mouth. You ought to proclaim his promises. You ought to remind yourself, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Because as long as there is a God, I'm never stuck forever.